Hey guys, we hope you had an amazing holiday break. Before we start the show, we want to welcome you all to the first episode of Sincerely Human for 2020, and also our first for season three. We are so excited for you guys to hear the kind of stories we're about to share. If you're inspired by the show, please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast. Please tune in till the end of this week's episode for a special announcement. That's it. Now on to the show. Just a little bit about Riley. She um, she was a good student, not a great student. She was an okay athlete, not a great athlete, but Riley was an incredible world-class friend. She would love taking friends from different worlds together and connecting them. That was just something she enjoyed. She used to love when my wife Mackenzie and I would go out for dinner because here's a babysitter. It's a chance to meet somebody new. Kindness manifests in countless ways. Seeing someone give up a seat for the elderly, strangers greeting each other on the street, or hearing a friend say, I'm here. We can get through it together. Sometimes, maybe often, our heads are down, probably glued to the screen of our phones. And these moments can easily pass us by. But when kindness is revealed in a person, it's actually quite impossible to miss. But what if you wake up and realize you've lost that person? Do you let their light disappear? Or do you pick yourself up and keep it burning so it can spark a light in others? This is the story of Ian Sandler, co-founder at Riley Sway Foundation. This is Camille. And this is Maverick. And this is Sincerely Human, a podcast that tells stories of kindness in action from the lens of today's most inspiring humans. You can consider Ian Sandler as a jack of all trades. So I was sort of a COO who had an entrepreneurial bent throughout. My late father was a serial entrepreneur. He was a nuclear physicist who started companies his whole life. Ian particularly enjoyed managing people and helping them develop their talents. He built and scaled businesses. Eventually, Ian took his skill set to the finance world. Now here at Insight, I have an amazing job helping as the COO here, running a software uh, private equity and venture capital firm. But Ian isn't only the chief operating officer at Insight Partners, a firm that invests in tech and software companies. He also has father in his list of important roles. It's impossible to find a picture of hers without a smile. Ian's talking about his beautiful daughter, Riley. She was born on May 6, 2005 at Lenox Hill Hospital in New York City. Riley grew up to be a sweet and thoughtful daughter. One of her favorite things to do is make up dances either with friends or on her own. She can often be seen twirling down the streets as she perfects her latest dance moves. Riley also loves to listen to music, go to concerts, and have a sleepover with friends. She had expressed an interest to go to sleepaway camp, and we had done 
some homework and she went to Timberlake and was in the process of having the summer of her life. Riley loved camp and she wrote letters back to Ian and his wife Mackenzie. They visited Riley one day while she was at camp and they saw her turn into this young woman. My wife and I were in bed. It was the night before Riley was supposed to come home. So we had our bags packed. We were going to pick Riley up from the buses and go on a family vacation. And um, and we got a phone call in the middle of the night. They'd been told earlier in the day that Riley wasn't feeling well. But we got a phone call in the middle of the night saying, we need you to get up here. And uh, I... Didn't really know what to do. Um, I ended up getting in an Uber and explaining to the driver what was going on and uh, took a four-hour Uber ride up while texting with Mindy Jacobs, who Mindy and Jay are the owners of Timberlake. Mindy was with Riley and um, just trying to understand what was going on. By the time I got to the hospital in Albany, um, Riley was gone. Um, My wife followed a few hours behind me. The hardest thing I've ever done in my life was um, was tell my wife what happened. Um, But um, the short answer is we're never going to truly know what happened. We were told it was something called epiglottitis, which is when your epiglottis in your throat constricts. It's something that Everybody gets vaccinated for, and it's just not something that really happens anymore. But we had made some decisions once we got to the hospital in terms of trying to donate Riley's organs. They were told that if they do, they'll never truly find out what happened to Riley. But that was a decision we had made that Riley, who is so full of life, if we could take some parts of her... So one of her kidneys is with, a, at the time, a 61-year-old grandmother, which is amazing that a nine-year-old's kidney goes into a 61-year-old's. I didn't know this. Um, unfortunately, a bunch of her organs we just couldn't get to folks because people didn't know what happened to her. But I got to spend a couple of days with Riley, who, you know, as I think a lot of people who've unfortunately gone through this know, she was on machines and she sure looked like my daughter. And so, you know, I spent several days with her as we were kind of trying to see if people would take her organs. And, you know, quite honestly, I would have spent my whole life in that room. In the same hospital room where their daughter laid, while they were trying to make sense of this excruciating loss, they made another urgent decision. They set up a foundation, a foundation to honor Riley's life. I'm literally in the hospital room with Riley and working with friends and lawyers and friends of friends to get what happened and to get our story out and to get online. And um, the outpouring of support was just, it was the best in people. People we knew, but tons of people who just heard what had happened, made donations. And We found ourselves with a foundation and no idea what we were going to do. And so I remember a couple months after this had happened, getting our initial board together. And I'm just super blessed, Mackenzie and I, to have just incredible friends. And we got together and we brainstormed about what we could do, what Riley's way would be at the time. 
Immediately after Riley's passing in 2014, they planned for Riley's Way to be a memorial foundation. And I remember at the time, Paul Burke, who's the headmaster at Nightingale and one of the more special humans, if you can ever find, he kept focusing on friendship. The Nightingale Bamford School is a private all-girls school located in New York. He kept highlighting what a wonderful friend Riley was. And so Paul was really great in terms of keeping us all grounded in terms of what we were going to do. And we explored different ideas, but it became very clear that this wasn't going to be about what happened to Riley. It was going to be about who she was and the fact that this little girl took her friend's successes as her own. There was no jealousy. There was just pride in her friend's accomplishments. There was joy in meeting new people. There was joy in connecting two of her friends from different worlds and letting them become friends. This was the legacy Riley left. Kindness, friendship, and empathy. And these were the broad brushstrokes that Ian and Mackenzie wanted to promote at Riley Sway Foundation. In starting your own organization, we often hear how founders say they built everything from the ground up. But if we look at it closely, we don't truly start from scratch. At some point in our journey, we might meet people who turn into mentors and who become instrumental in our new venture. At the time of Riley's passing, I was on the board of a wonderful foundation called uh, Children's Cardiomyopathy Foundation that was started by Lisa and Eddie Yu. Eddie was a colleague of mine at Morgan Stanley, and Eddie and Lisa set up Children's Cardiomyopathy Foundation after they had lost two children. And so I had wonderful role models of my own in terms of what you can do and how you can honor somebody's life and spirit and take it forward. You know, as I talk to, I'm very friendly with uh, Sharon Love of the One Love Foundation, which is another amazing, amazing organization and another guiding light for us in terms of their daughter, Yardley Love, who was a UVA lacrosse player who was beaten to death by her ex-boyfriend. And what they are doing with One Love is just remarkable. And when I talk to Sharon or anyone who's lost a child, you belong to this horrible, miserable club that nobody wants to be part of. But as you progress in your time, you realize that there are mechanisms to make the pain less, that there are ways to honor, in my instance, Riley, and there's a path forward if you are able to find it. But right from the beginning, it was clear to Ian that the foundation would not revolve around Riley's passing, even if that's what spurred it. If we were going to be something that lasts beyond any of us, and that's very clearly my selfish goal, as this goes well beyond any of us in this room, that we had to build impactful programs. We had to build something that people who knew nothing about Riley, about her story, about anything, were like, this is something we want to support. And so early on, I got introduced to a woman named Katie Leenberger, who is the um, head of an organization called Community Resource Exchange, which is an amazing, it's a nonprofit management consulting firm. And so we brought in somebody who really knew how to think about measuring and programming and thinking about 
how do you build the foundation strategically? And so that was a huge, you know, my life's basically been finding people smarter than me, putting them together and letting them create magic. And so Katie was one of those building blocks. And so we started down this road where we had a program for third and fourth graders because that was the age where Riley was. And there's a lot of evidence that says this is the point where children start to understand their place in the world and they start thinking about how to be empathetic and what it means to be kind. But like most stories where you build something around an ambitious goal, things can be shaky at the start. Through Riley's way, Ian wanted to make an impact that was measurable and evident. We had an expert convening at Nightingale where we brought all these smart people together and we're so fortunate to have all these different opinions. And we landed on, well, let's really focus on creating the next generation of kind leaders. And part of what informed all this is just everything that's going on in the world, right? And how fractured whatever your political views are, it's just clear that as a country, as a world, that we're growing further apart and what the world truly needs is ways to bring folks together. And honestly, it's time for really letting the next generation lead and drive change. And that's truly what has to happen. And these change agents, you'll find them in the talented and compassionate teens at Riley's Way Councils. A single council consists of about 20 students from two partnered schools, one public and one private. A faculty member from each school joins the students on the council. Riley's Way Council members meet regularly to learn and grow from each other. They respond to the question of how they can lead with kindness and build bridges across barriers in their communities. We doubled down on these young women, and that led to us, through our youth councils, coming up with this idea of a call for kindness. And so the call for kindness was our first attempt at a national program. The idea was, what if we can find students, young men and young women, in their communities who are change agents, and we can provide micro-grants to support what they're doing and uh, maybe give some scaffolding to them. And so the idea was, you know, Maybe we'll have a few applications and we'll give out sort of three or four awards and this will be a good start. And Laura Kukuchi, my one of my amazing program directors, she just worked like you wouldn't imagine. On January 21st of 2019, in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Riley's Way launched its first national initiative, The Call for Kindness. Teens from all around the country can submit their projects and ideas that are designed to drive change and inspire kindness in their communities. And the response to their initiative was beyond what they could have ever imagined. And it was really the first year where I felt like we could celebrate Riley's birthday because we were celebrating our Call for Kindness winners. And we had 10 winners and we had five honorable mentions. And that, as we started thinking about the Call for Kindness, we're like, well, what? if we figure out how we can get them all together. So the Riley Sway team organized their first youth leadership retreat in the fall of 2019 at Timberlake Camp in upstate New York. They brought together close to 100 inspiring young women and their mentors for a weekend of skill building workshops, action planning, and camp activities. And I have to say, it was my first weekend away from my little boy. So it was actually really hard to be away as a first-time mom, but... Being around these young women, I couldn't have been more inspired. That's Christine O'Connell, executive director at Riley Sway Foundation, who joined the organization last September. 
Christine has had a prolific career in social impact, but a very roundabout one. I've been building a movement based on empathetic communication for the past 10 years, and I really believe in that. Christine got her PhD and became a leading expert in science communication. She pioneered innovative programs and curriculum at the Allen Alda Center for Communicating Science. Christine was also on a tenure track line as a professor at Stony Brook University. And I wasn't looking for another job at the time, but I read this description of creating a movement based on empathy and our youth. And it just, it hit me in a way that I didn't even realize at the time. I I thought, this is the next step. I think I applied, you know, after the deadline. It was, I was also um, five months pregnant at the time. So it was not a place where I wanted to switch a new job. I was on a tenure track line in a university, which is not something a lot of people want to give up. And then I just, I talked to Ian, I talked to some of the other board members, and it was just, from the beginning, it was magical, the conversation, and we just got each other, we talked the same language of empathy and why it's so important as just a basis to approach any of these things, to approach a movement. I kept hearing the word life-changing thrown around the entire weekend from the girls that were there, and talking about how they craved a space like this, because As we all know, we've all been to middle school, it's not always easy being kind, right? It's not easy to reach out your hand to someone else. So having a space where they got to meet other young women that thought like them was the most profound and powerful thing that came out of that weekend for them. It gave them permission to keep going forward with what they wanted to do. It gave them inspiration. Since Riley's Way Foundation was established in 2014, the organization has not only provided an expanding space for kindness, it's also served as an essential infrastructure for young people to realize their goals and actually see the impact they all hope to make as kindness leaders. What's really nice about the three programs with our local youth councils, our national uh, youth leadership retreat and our national call for kindness is how they get to start working together. And so we've now had all these young women together and we're going to set up Slack channels and we're going to allow them to communicate both as a group and on a one-on-one basis and sort of celebrate their successes and really let them maintain that connectivity. So a big part of this is not just, hey, let's bring you all together and get a weekend together, but hopefully we're building a cohort network. And so it's been five years of playing with the dials and figuring this out. And now it really seems like we have three core programs that work so well together. And I've got this world-class leader who was literally built to do this job. While their journey started with a tragedy, Ian and Mackenzie have been rewarded with seeing so much good in people. When people produced such amazing outpourings of support to where we are today, where people are like, well, how do we become part of this? And now we can actually answer them and say, here's a bunch of ways, right? So find somebody who's 13 to 19 and get them to help them create a call for kindness application or figure out how we can bring a council to your school or find somebody who wants to come to the retreat. So we're at a point now where we can go beyond New York City, we can go national and we're gonna go global. Like the world needs this. As for Ian and Mackenzie's beautiful angel, Riley, we can imagine her watching over her little brother, Brody, who's now 11, and her little sister, Ruby, who turned four last December.
Before we go, we're so excited to announce that we've partnered with Riley Sway Foundation. Next week, we're launching a new segment called Kindness Calling, where we'll be featuring stories of remarkable teens who are leading movements that aim to build kinder communities. We promise you'll find a pocket of hope in the stories we're about to share. That's it for today's episode. We'll catch you all again next week. Remember, be good to one another 